Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Daddy McDook. I'm joined, as always, by John, Mariah Carey, Sheeran. Okay, Mariah Carey, maybe not the best, but it is, look, it is That's the, the best compliment. Are you kidding me? Okay. Tis the season, indeed. Okay. Yeah, okay, good, good. John, how are you doing? I am, I'm pretty good, man. I think you kind of alluded to it, you know, the season is in the air, the Bengals are winning again, things are pretty jolly right now. Yeah, I mean, did you ever, everybody keeps saying, look, it's, it's on, on Christmas Day, the Bengals are going to be the number one seed, the number one team in the AFC North, and nobody saw it coming, except for, except for Bengals captain. I would give it to he, he every year, I think. Shout out to Bengals captain. Love that guy. Very positive. But John, first of all, I, I mean, you are excused because you have to do the show. But everybody else should be going to Brinks.tv where you can watch the show and it is, it is, a, it is a surreal experience. It is like that movie, you know, Contact or it is like Inception. It is all of those things together. You're not just watching the show. You're also, you're also in, in the kind of a, a virtual reality in your dreams. I don't know. Courtney explains it better. But it is a very uh, expensive but also free experience. You should do that. And uh, John, I am actually contractually obligated to talk about playing Bengals picks. And uh, Bengals picks dot app dot link slash e slash d h a s as you can see there. You go there, you guess all sorts of stuff about the Bengals game against the Ravens. Like, you know, you know, how many, I don't know, how many people are going to have their dreams shattered by Joe Burrow? I think that's one of the options on there. Other uh, kind of a stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that is what I want to say. And also, I think Courtney uh, is telling us. Yeah, so sorry. So you go to Bengals Picks. There you go. You go to Bengals Picks. You can guess, will Joe Mixon score all the touchdowns? Will Joe Burrow throw for 2,800? 805 years that's a lot courtney i don't know where you got that but that that, that is gonna... not a 2000 sorry but so that there's, is there's the a different... decimal point that's not a comma yeah uh but that is those are the kind of things you have to be a mathematician to play you also have to be you know eight uh, eight years old 18 years old and literate it would help yeah you have to be a lit illiterate and the thing is about being 18, John, we, we asked Courtney to look into it. Why do you have to be 18 to play this game? Is it the violence? Is it the, is it, we don't know. Is it some sort of, you know, there is some sort of a scandal involved in playing this game that we haven't figured out. But okay, I also, Courtney wants me to talk about Brinks.tv and the programs they have. And John, they actually 
just finished a podcast series that was fascinating. It's called, hold on, Flake News. No. It's Flake, it is about Already the know. Kellogg, it's about the Kellogg riots, the insurrections of all the Kellogg employers. And as you know, I, I was very offended. I love, you know, I, I'm a big cereal guy. I don't know if you know, John, but my birthday, my, my, my wedding cake was uh, crusted with fruity pebbles. Unlike the wedding cakes of my co-host, Dr. Hoji Electricus Moji is not here, but as you know, his are all vegan and seaweed and basically the kind of the, the crust that you find in the, the drains that go to the ocean. If you take that, you put it in a cake, that's what he eats. I love cereal and I was very offended and uh, this saga that Courtney covers in this podcast is fascinating about what happened when the workers, the employee, employees, they finally bent the knee and gave in to capitalism. Okay. We also have the Ray Lewis show and it's about, uh, it is about uh, championship mentality and uh, profitability and uh, exploitability and they had no, no. they had uh, they actually Let's had Bernie on. Madoff on the show okay hold on. no you're oh. almost there I've already moved okay. you on to recap okay. daddyo okay so we're done with the Briggs okay I'll save the rest for later my favorite part recap. time of week recap John the Bengals go into Denver two game losing a streak a sloppy turnovers costing themselves the win and what did they do they turned around and they basically, they play winning football. Not beautiful football, but winning football. I don't think they turned the ball over. I don't they think they turned not, over the no. but they. I don't know, yeah. man. Is it actually winning football or did, they, or did they just happen to win? I would say this Denver is not a joke. They had the same record we did coming in. They didn't have anything sort of crazy injuries. They're a decent team. And we just played the game that was in front of us. And we, we stood with them. We, we were right there. We did what it took. You know, I mean, we didn't have any huge lapses on defense. We didn't do a lot on offense until that Tyler Boyd play. But it worked. I was happy with the result. I feel like that's kind of what they did against the 49ers. But the 49ers were a better team, despite the, like, the record dis discrepancy and whatnot. Denver is not... Like, like they're not nobodies, right? Like they have a really talented defense. They are really talented on offense, aside from quarterback. And thank God that Teddy Bridgewater is not hurt too bad in that instance. But I feel like th this was very similar to the 49ers game, except the Broncos didn't have the pass rush, so the Bengals didn't really have Joe Burrow under pressure that much. But yeah. in, and the result was, you know, they tried to attack a man-heavy secondary that the Broncos have, but. They're really talented. They're really good at taking away some of these receivers, and that's exactly what they did for about three quarters of this game. And the Bengals, they tried to run the ball as a counter to that, and they couldn't really do that. So they ended up scoring 15 points, like the one of the lowest point totals that they've had all season, and they happened to win because like the Broncos, they don't really have an offense to them because either Teddy or Drew Locke can't really do anything right now because they're just not that good. So, yeah. yes, they played the game that was in front of them, and they didn't make mistakes, and that is, that is the difference, right? It's not necessarily an ugly win. It's an unpleasant win. It would be ugly if they were making constant mistakes. They were forcing turnovers just like they had been in the last two games. It was unpleasant, but this was also just an indictment on the, the team that they were playing. They, they weren't that good. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, John. I mean, I, I, 
I agree it was an unpleasant win until about the end of the third quarter. And that, that Tyler Boyd, we're going to talk about him later in the show. But that got me pumped, seeing a guy like Tyler Boyd make that kind of play and seeing the fact that I think someone pointed out on Twitter that was the only time that Joe Burrow was allowed to throw on first down the whole game as a 56-yard touchdown. If you take his average pass attempts on first down, it's, the, the stats are crazy. It's something like 56 yards per attempt and a touchdown each time. And, and a lot of people are like, let Joe Burrow throw. Let the, you know, and by a lot of people like myself, I wrote the article. And uh, let him throw on first down more. And, uh, but having said that, my, what I like is that when they needed it, you know, they just, I just love that they can turn it on, these guys. I love that they can turn it on. And I like the fact that they felt a little hindered by their mistakes. And I think, you know, you know I think about like Russell Wilson with the Seahawks his first year, maybe his first two years. I think of, you know, a lot of other quarterbacks, how they played cautiously initially until they really got a feel for what they could do. And then they, they you know, let it rip, as they say. They, they let off a steam, you know, they... Uh, I don't know what you, what other analogies they use because they're always comparing gas to to throwing a football. I don't know why. No, you're always comparing but, gas when it comes to just football. In general. I don't make the analogies up. Look, John, please enough with the the silliness and the games, because we have a very special guest. We have a very special guest. I'm talking about the host of the Believe in the Ravens podcast, a man who has won a story of the year. We have to ask him about that. He wrote the story of the year. Yes, probably about some emails, probably about some WikiLeak type of thing. We have to find out. But and his last name rhymes with my favorite genre of music. I'm talking about Mr. Bo Esmoka. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Bo. We love having you on the show because you bring you bring class and real journalism unlike some of the other people that we've had, you know, uh, by that I mean my co-hosts, lot of, lot of uh, fake news, lot of, you know, uh, my co-host Dr. Roger, Dr. Kismoji, of course, he, he's not here today. But uh, I love your coverage of the Ravens, very, it is fair and balanced, and it's very informative. And by the way, Mr. Osmoka, he has as his co-host a Super Bowl champion, Mr. Uh, Daniel Wilcox, who could be joining the show, we don't know, we got to see, but they, they, they are killing it, as they say, with their podcast, the Believe in the Ravens podcast. Well, thank you. My understanding is he's trying to join our show. He's, he was having some issues, but he is hopefully going to join us as well. He's got some great insight. Yeah, he played for the, he was a Super Bowl champion with Tampa Bay. Um, played for the Ravens as well. And and we haven't even talked to him too much about this yet, but he also played in NFL Europe back when it was a thing. And sometime in the offseason, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into that. He's a, he's 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 got some really good insight. That's fantastic. So let us get your incredible insight about this game. Because everybody's like, look, the Bengals, they blew out the Ravens last time. And it was kind of a comeuppance type of game where the Bengals were getting blown out by the Ravens in recent years, and they returned the favor. And, you know, and now, you know, the, the, the AFC North title is on the line. The Ravens, you know, they have, may, may not have their quarterback. We're gonna talk about that later. Everybody's hurting, it's late in the season. 
But the Ravens have been the class, they have been the, the elite team in the division for a couple of years now. So what, what do you see as the keys to this matchup? Well, I mean, right now, for one, for the Ravens, it's their health. And you mentioned whether they'll have their quarterback. They've got six or seven guys in the COVID list uh, in the protocols right now. We can talk all night about the guys that have been hurt over the course of the season and in the preseason. So their health is the first thing. And we don't know yet who will be playing and who will be lining up in that game. To me, it was very unusual the way that game played out in Baltimore because the Ravens rarely get blown out at home. They rarely get blown out, period, but especially at home. And that game, if you remember, that game was 17 to 13 Ravens early in the second half when when Marquise Brown caught a long touchdown. And then the Bengals got two huge plays. The Ravens had a bad defensive breakdown and Zoma got left open downfield for a touchdown. And then a short pass to Chase turned into an 82-yard touchdown. And those there were three plays in that game that really summed up the Ravens' issues this year defensively. Miscommunication on the Uzoma touchdown and another one. This team all year has had problems with miscommunication in the secondary, and you see guys open by 15 yards. That is not an isolated incident. And secondly, they have had trouble with tackling. There have been games where it happened with the chase play. It happened with Travis Kelsey early in the year. It happened with the Lions. It happened repeatedly. A short pass, six, eight-yard pass play turns into a 55-yard play because they don't wrap up the ball carrier. And it happened on the chase play. And so those back-to-back touchdowns by the um, Bengals, the long chase touchdown especially, it just seemed to deflate the Ravens. And then they were... It seemed it was one of the only times I've covered this team for 11 years, and it's one of the only times they just looked like they didn't want to compete in the fourth quarter. And then the, and the Bengals pulled away to win 41 to 17. It was a shocking kind of look for this team. So I guarantee, yeah. I guarantee you, I guarantee you they were embarrassed. They remember it and they're going to be angry about it when they get to Cincinnati. That doesn't mean yeah. they're going to have enough to win the game, but I'm sure that's going to be their mentality. Well, I speak. Daddy, before you need that, we've got extra firepower for Bo here because right. I know how you can be. So, everybody, please right. welcome Daniel Wilcox. Thank you, Thank you Daniel Thank Wilcox, you, Super Bowl champion Daniel Wilcox. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mr. Daniel Wilcox. You, yes, sir. as a man who beat down another team in the Super Bowl, you beat down the Oakland Raiders. I think it was it was like fifty something to like five or something. You know the mentality of what a beatdown involves. We were just talking about the Bengals, and right. Bo was saying, "Look, the, the Ravens are going to be ready this time." But I, I here's my question. Yes. Maybe the maybe there's a talent gap, and I know that sounds funny because the <laughs> Ravens were the, so much more talented. But look, no, John, look at the the Steelers game. We blew them out. It was like, oh, they're going to get revenge. And they just fell apart against us in the second game. We blew them out 40-something to like 15. Because I think with the first Ravens game, what, what I saw, like, like Bo was saying, is like they were competing, they were playing. Then all of a sudden, the light turned on for guys like Jamar Chase. And, and they're just like, we can just, we, can just, we can just get by these guys. We can get these big plays when we want. And they did. So, so yeah, what, what do you think? Well, if the light came on, the light's going to get shut back off. That's what I think. You know, so it's one of those situations where 
Cincy was the better team that day. They came out, they played. The Ravens have been dealing with injuries all year long, and that's not making excuses. This is a this is a league where you have to stay healthy if you want to win games, right? If you're not healthy, you can't expect to come out with all your guns ablazing if you don't have all your guns. It's like taking a knife to a gunfight. The last time the Bengals played the Ravens, you know, they was down a bunch of guys, and this time it's even worse, you know? So if the Bengals come out and they bring their best game and they come ready to play, then it's a possibility that they may walk away with another victory. But I can't remember the last time, or if there's ever been a time when the Bengals have swept the Baltimore Ravens. It definitely didn't happen when I was in Baltimore, so I'm not expecting it to happen now. Um, we do have guys that can come out and play play and compete against anybody in this league that we play against, just like the Bengals does. The Bengals have great – they have great guys. They got great chemistry. They're playing on all cylinders this year. But if this is the best that you're going to see from the Cincinnati Bengals, it's going to be a long game. Well, last I, time a swept happened was, I think, 2015, which was also the last time that the Bengals made the playoffs and also won that division. There was a time when the Bengals had the Ravens number. It's definitely swung back in the Ravens' favor of recent years with the emergence of Lamar Jackson. But it's also just kind of interesting how at, before that first game of the season, there was some fake controversy about something that Logan Wilson said about Lamar Jackson being great, uh, throwing the ball for running back. And now Lamar is, is dealing with his ankle injury. And now there's something talking about... Is his backup better than him, or is he a better long-term option, which is completely ridiculous. But it's weird how the Bengals always seem to face the Ravens now when there's some BS surrounding their quarterback. Well, I'll say this. Let's move on to quarterback matchup, please. Because Oh, go ahead. A a few years ago, I mean, for a long time, the Bengals, for whatever reason, they had Joe Flacco's number. If you look at Flacco's numbers over the course of his career, he threw more interceptions against the Bengals. He played worse against the Bengals. It seemed to always happen that way. And that 2015 year was... Excuse me. That was the uh, only losing season, I believe, for John Harbaugh. That's when Flacco and uh, there was a whole bunch of Suggs, all all sorts of guys were hurt, and they, they believe they finished five and eleven. That was the year that Flacco tore his ACL. But yeah, Flacco never really played well against Cincinnati. Around here, the one that people remember is the New Year's Eve game when uh, Boyd caught the touchdown uh, at the end of the game, and that basically essentially knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs. The, the Bengals came into that game with nothing to play for. And they they knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs. They put around here. They definitely still know that. They definitely still know Boyd. So when when you start talking about Jamar Chase and these other mixing these other playmakers on this team, they will say, "Do not sleep on Boyd. He's a Raven killer." Yeah. Well, I mean, that that has kind of been. It was AJ Green for a while, you know, and now it's Jamar. I would say Jamar Chase is our number one Raven killer, and Tyler Boyd too. There is something I don't know what it is. It's a strong sample size, you know. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the Bengals are, are a good organization. It's definitely a good team, right? You know, they're, they're they're rolling on all cylinders right now, so you have to give them the props and stuff that they deserve, you know. But at the end of the day, it's still this is big boy football. This is this is the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it's 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 a game that should always be on prime time. Both of these teams are coming to play. It's going to be a hard fought game. I think this one. I don't think this game will turn out the way that the last game turned out, even with all the injuries and the stuff that the Ravens have. Even though the Cincinnati Bengals are rolling on all cylinders and have all their guys healthy, you know it's it's a big it's a big difference, man. When you have to play the Baltimore Ravens, um, when they've already had a couple of losses and they're trying to get out of that slump, you know. So the last three games that they lost, they lost I think by a total of four points total, and now they're going to yeah. go and have to play the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals steamrolled them last time, and the guys that that Jamar Chase steamrolled last time are, are now hurt. 
you know, they're not even on the field to even they try to get some revenge. So these young guys have to step up against the Cincinnati Bengals and show the Bengals what Baltimore Raven football is really all about. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Jamar Chase, uh, sorry, Lamar Jackson could not, maybe not be there, and they're going to have to start a guy, uh, quarterback, I think, is Brett Hundy. No. Which we haven't seen a lot of no. in recent years. But he's close on the last name. I know, right? But I, I, I mean, do you guys even know the name of your quarterback? I'm just curious. Yeah, Tyler Huntley. Okay, so he's Tyler Huntley. Yeah. He, this guy's like a, he's like a, he's like what, 18 years old? He's he's never he's he's played like one game, I think, at he's NFL about, level. He's about the same age as Lamar Jackson. They both grew up in Florida playing ball together, high school ball in Florida together. Uh, he's always been just as good at, or, or or right there neck and neck with Lamar. They had a lot of battles in high school, went on to college, and he performed well in college. Obviously, the Ravens thought highly enough of him that they thought they should go get this kid. When other people were sleeping on him, the Ravens per- player personnel department saw something special in this kid that reminded them of the, of the starting quarterback that they have. So they went out and grabbed him. And he's going to, even if it's him, if it's Tyler Huntley or if it's Lamar Jackson, it doesn't matter. Both of those guys are going to come to play. They're coming to win. They're coming to, t- to take one more win from the Cincinnati Bengals. I, lo- I, I, I got to say, I respect that attitude. You, you. You, you have a former MVP and your team, you're saying they have so much fight that it doesn't really matter that guys are out. They're going to come and they're going to fight and they're going to compete. I love that. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I would say our team is not, I think our team is really built around Joe Burrow. Without Joe Burrow, we have no chance. And I okay. think that's kind of the difference. Yeah, I think he, he kind of creates the offense. He runs the Well, the drop-off from Joe to the backup is not as big as the drop-off from Lamar to Tyler Huntley. And that's not an indictment on Lamar. That's, that's complimenting how good Tyler Huntley, how Tyler Huntley is and how he should have been invited to the combine and all that. But, Bo, can we just accept that Tyler Huntley is just a good and decent quarterback and not have to start the whole thing about the long-term of, of the Ravens and not paying Lamar? Like, what is that conversation even about? Well, that's just people see that he had a good game the other day. I, I, I don't I mean, that's obviously premature. The guys played basically seven quarters. Well, he started the Chicago game. Then he played three quarters at Cleveland and nearly rallied them to the win. And, and look, he had to we knew he had to start against Green Bay against a really good Green Bay team. And and they put up 30 points. And and, you know, in the pressure of that situation, he totally delivered. And I will say this. No, there's no quarterback controversy. Lamar Jackson is clearly the, is the starting quarterback here when he's healthy. But in that game against Green Bay, without question, the Ravens' offense under Tyler Huntley looked more crisp than it has in the past six weeks. Lamar Jackson, for whatever reason, has been in a prolonged slump that's lasted probably half the year, um, at least the last five or six games. Out of rhythm, doesn't look confident, doesn't look comfortable missing throws, not seeing the field well, for whatever reason, there's a lot of them. Um, but Tyler Huntley looked comfortable, and he got that offense, offense operating and in rhythm. And in that environment, he rallied them with touchdowns. And I'll say this, he did something in that game that Lamar Jackson has never done. He threw two touchdowns, and he ran for two touchdowns. So he's got talent. And I think that I would think that a lot of teams around the league watching that game the other night are thinking, wow, this guy didn't get drafted. This guy's better than our backup. Um, but that's how it goes. And the Ravens, as Daniel said, the Ravens identified as someone who would seamlessly fit in if anything happened to Jackson. Very similar skill set, very similar style. Um, I actually think he might even throw a better deep ball than Jackson. Jackson's faster on the run, but 
Huntley can run as well. So he's a challenge and he's a talented guy. So, um, and he took a huge step forward. He's got a lot more confidence now if it is him. We don't know who will be playing yet. And one of the fascinating things that John Harbaugh is going to have to decide, let's say he gets to Friday and Lamar Jackson's at 65, 70, 75% on that ankle. Are you going with him at 70% or are you going with Huntley at 100%? And that's, they'll have to evaluate that later in the week. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's an easy decision because ankles are tricky. You don't want to mess with the ankle. And the way you guys are describing this Huntley guy, I mean, if only Cleveland could find a quarterback like that. I mean, they, they've been trying for 22 years, and they haven't yeah. found a guy that, that – but I got to say, I think it's the Ravens system too. Let's be honest. It allows quarterbacks like that to thrive. I don't <clears> think <throat> they would thrive in just any system. It's not, like I, we were talking about the last time on the show – uh, John, do you remember we were talking about Jack Settleman? We were talking about how how Lamar creates, you know, he he creates a space with his movements, and it's it's, it's eleven not eleven, looks. man. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, John, I want to you to talk about the the matchup up front, the O line versus D line. Yeah, this is interesting because the Ravens, I think, released some news today. Justin Houston went on the COVID list. So he is, I guess, questionable for Sunday, depending on his vaccination status and all that stuff. They have a few defensive players on the COVID list, along with, I think, Pernell McPhee, who might be coming off pretty soon. But Justin Houston kind of took it to Jonah Williams uh, last time in Week 7, and Williams allowed, I think, a handful of pressures in that game. So if he cannot play, well, it wouldn't give Williams a chance to get get redemption, but it would make it easier to defend that pass rush. But they got the rookie... Odafe Oweya, and they have Tyus Bowser coming off of that other edge against who even knows who's the Bengals' right tackle right now because they had Fred Johnson last week against the Broncos, and he played really well, but the Broncos don't really have an edge rusher off of that side. If they go back to Isaiah Prince, who was supposed to be starting, I think that might give him a better chance because I think he's probably a, a more solid right tackle compared to Fred, but if they keep it with Fred and the hot hand, he's got two pretty athletic edge rushers to go up against. The Ravens' pass rush, regardless of what what they're dealing with, it, it typically produces results. It's just a lot of scheme and stuff like that. It's a lot of athletes just throwing at you. I think it's going to be tough for both of Williams and, and Prince or Johnson, whoever's at the right tackle spot, because honestly, Williams has not been incredibly consistent this year. And despite what happened last time, I, it was a masterclass performance by the Bengals' offense line at the end of the day to give Burrow that much time to do what he needed to do. The Ravens are going to be playing a lot more ferociously, I would say, because they have a chip on their shoulder now, and they're playing for a lot more. So that matchup on the edge, I think, based off what happened last time and what the variables are for this one, I think it's the matchup of the game. But, John, you talk about, you know, the Ravens. Last time you talked about how they like to blitz and how they create all these creative blitzes. And Joe Burrow thrives when you blitz him. You, you throw a blitz at him, he's going to, he's going to burn you. And that, so, I mean, that was the case just... earlier in the season. Now the, the script is getting flipped a little bit more. Teams are blitzing Burrow less, and he's doing worse against the blitz compared to against when he's kept clean. It's almost like it's been like from week 12 on, that whole, that whole switch is kind of flipped in it. So I don't know what the Ravens are going to do, because I'm sure they're smart enough to pick, to pick up some of these things, but that's kind of their identity too. And if they want to stick to that, it's got to be Burrow who, who has to match it. Yeah. I mean, uh, Daniel, well, I mean, what, what do you see as being the key up front for this game? The key to up front is, is definitely the offensive and defensive lines, hands down. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens front, they defensive front, the front three and the outside backers are always going to be exceptional. You get, you're rolling on multiple cylinders right now with a lot of these guys coming back and being healthy 
and on the defensive line, that is, you know, and then you still got your outside guys. Of course, the COVID stuff has been a problem for everybody, you know, but more than anything, it's going to be the scheme that the Ravens put together to try to beat the offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals and how well they're able to pick up that, pick up the blitz and coming through. Now, on the Ravens side, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, we're so beat up and banged up up front. I mean, we're we literally down to our fifth and sixth screen running backs right now as well. So, that's going to be a factor. You know, it's, it's going to be how well the running backs are going to be able to put up, pick up the blitz and whether or not the Ravens are going to continue to try to spread guys out to try to keep guys off the quarterback. Um, I think everybody idea right now, the way to beat the Ravens is to try to put pressure on the QB so that he don't have time in the pocket and sit back there and pick you apart. So I, I would think that the Bengals would continue to send pressure like everyone else has and um, try to disrupt things. I think the Ravens key is to be able to spread them out and then to be able to go maybe no huddle from time to time to kind of up up tempo it a little bit to give a, to get to kind of give an offensive edge to be able to move the ball up and down the field on the Bengals. So John, so you had mentioned John, you had mentioned Odafe Owe. He's the rookie out of Penn State, and I think he's one of the keys to this game because he's actually, you know, the, the Ravens drafted him, and he had no sacks uh, in his last year at Penn State. And people said, "Wait a minute, why are you drafting an edge rusher?" And in the first round, they got him in the first round. They said. You're taking a first-round edge rusher that had no sacks, and they kept saying the sacks are not all of it. The guy has the speed to disrupt the game and so forth, and he um, he, he has done that. He's had a couple big disruptive games. He basically effectively won the Chiefs game for them when he had a strip sack with the Chiefs driving late in the game. He's had a couple other hugely in, uh, impact games. He's been quiet the last two or three games, and this Ravens defense has struggled to create turnovers. They went seven games without an interception, um, and their pass rush can disappear at times. And Owe has been fairly quiet the past three games. But if they're going to have a huge sudden change play in this game, whether it's a strip sack, whether it's a fumble, whether it's a, a batted pass that gets intercepted or something like that, I suspect Owe is going to be involved. He's fast. And and defensive, uh, offensive tackles and running backs or tight ends that try to chip have a hard time dealing with his speed. And if they're going to make a big impact pay on defense this year or in this game, I suspect Oway may be involved. So what, what is your prediction, Bo, for this game, the final well, score? My prediction, I've gone back and forth in this. I think the Bengals are going to win, quite honestly. I just think yeah. the Ravens are, you know. Cooked. I just think they're just you're asking them to do so much with so little, and they've done it for so long this whole year, and it's it's kind of catching up with them. And at the same time, you look at this team and the two, the, it, you know, they've missed two two point conversions that would have won the past two games. And as John Harbaugh said yesterday, if they make two of those three two, they've tried three of them in the past three weeks. They've missed all of them. If they make even two of them. They're probably the number one seed in the AFC, and instead they're on the outside looking in if they lose this game. The margin is so thin. But yeah. but that's every I, team know, in the AFC. It is. It is. It's and that's it. why I don't, you know, the Bengals, you mentioned how the Bengals were playing well, but the Bengals have also looked terrible at times, and everyone yeah. in this league has looked terrible at times. And so it's totally wide open. We had open. like five muffed punts the, the week ago. I mean, I, I saw the game against the Chargers. The Ravens, yeah. that's the one game. The Ravens dominated the Chargers. I couldn't believe yeah. how badly the Bengals looked against the Chargers. So it you never know. It is Actually, totally let me ask Daniel. Let me ask Daniel, what is going on this season? Why we've had so many lopsided wins? I would blame the whole situation, the pandemic, but you would think last year last year wasn't like that. What's going on this year? 
I think every year there's something different that happens, right? Where the, bounce, the ball bounces a different way. And this year has just been a crazy year. You know, you see a bunch of big plays and explosive plays, plays that you normally don't see against great teams are happening, you know? So I think one of the biggest things is that everybody is kind of loaded, right? Like it's the NFL, so everybody got All-Americans on their teams. So every team could be great. But the chemistry is the is the key point that makes these teams separate from one team to the other team. It's always a chemistry thing. Sometimes the chemistry is on point and you look you look great on paper and then all of a sudden, you know, you suck on on actual film and on tape. But then sometimes you don't look very good on on paper and then the chemistry is on point and then next thing you know, you know, you're winning 9, 10, 11 games, you know? So this year has just been one of those weird years where the ball has just bounced differently and everybody is either playing really really good or playing really 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 bad. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry, boy, I cut you off. You're in the middle of your prediction. So well, please. so I've been going back and forth with this, and I'll say this, too. I think one of the more fascinating things, and Daniel and I talked about this this morning, I think one of the more fascinating things in this game is this <clears throat> intangible notion of you know pedigree. And the Ravens have this culture of winning, and quite frankly, the Bengals don't. And you know, there were the Dalton years where they did well for a while, but it's been now four or five years since they've been on winning winning record. Can they can they know how to prosper, basically? And I think the Ravens have this culture where they fully expect to win. I think they fully expected to beat that Green Bay team on Sunday when, frankly, no one thought they would win, and they nearly did. Um, can the Bengals handle prosperity? It's always a question you ask when these teams are coming uh, you know, on the up and up. I mean, people talked about that with the Browns. Can they handle prosperity? And I, until they do, I'm going to continue to say, no, they can't. Um, I look at this Bengals group, and I say, They've got a lot of talented players. They probably have the most healthy talent in the division um, at all the key spots. So I, my, in, my, in my mind, I say the Bengals are going 30 to 24, and I'll go so far as to say it might even go to overtime. But um, yeah. I just think the – I don't know. We don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to play. We don't know if Huntley's going to play. We're going to ask this defense. They're just probably going to have practice squad cornerbacks called up to deal with Boyd and Chase and – Uzoma and all these other Higgins and all the, it's a hard ask. They did it last week against the Packers. They have held it together with duct tape all year. And I give John Harbaugh so much credit because when you look at the list of injuries, this team could easily be about three and 12 right now or three and 11. Um, they've done a terrific job hanging on and being competitive. Um, I just think with the skill that the Bengals have and at the health that they have, it's going to be a real tough ask for this defense. So, Thank you for that. It's very good insight. And I want to take your prediction. I want to turn it back to Daniel. I want to ask him something, which is, you brought up a great point, Bo, which is the Ravens have a culture of winning. They expect to win. They have a great history. It's only a 20-something-year-old team or franchise, if you will. But that's two Super Bowls, a lot of playoff appearances, and they looked good in those playoff games. You know, I, I say this all the time. Joe Flacco, it was not a fluke. That, that Super Bowl run. He was an excellent quarterback in that Super Bowl run, and he was a very good quarterback in his other postseason performances. A lot of people forget that. He is a postseason quarterback. Not all franchises have that. And, and the Ravens have had a history of guys who outperformed in the most critical situations. So I agree with you. But on the flip side, the Bengals are new. They're the new kid on the block. They're young guys. 
they I told John it's a scientific fact that you know young young you know toddlers and young people they don't have short term memories they don't have object permanence they don't have they they don't remember anything you put you put something behind their head they don't know where it went and so that is the Cincinnati Bengals they don't they don't remember uh, you know getting blown out they don't remember the franchise of the bungles and the 90s and all that they don't even know that stuff so while they don't have the history to support them, they also also don't have the negative history to hurt them. What what do you think, Daniel? Is that is that is that fair to say? Well, I, I think recruiting and, and scouting is really important when you're talking about changing the program. So, I think the guys that you go get, you know, whether, regardless of whether or not the Bengals have tradition or not, those guys are coming from great programs. If you go get guys that played in great programs and they're used to winning, they come in with a winning mindset. And a winning attitude, and they're they're thinking that we can win every single game. And when you got a quarterback like a Joe Burrow, a quarterback that's kind of proving himself that he can play in this league, guys rally behind guys like him. You know, he plays with a lot of energy and a lot of intensity, and he brings that extra fire that I think you need. You know, so when you when every play as a receiver, me being a tight end, a receiving tight end in this league, when I lined up and I knew I had a quarterback that could find me no matter where I go on the field it made me run every single route harder because I wanted to get open because I knew if I got open by at least one step, then it's a possibility I can get the ball. You know, so when you got a quarterback like Joe Burrow that's that's advanced like he is and plays as hard as he does and finds open receivers all the freaking time, you know, these guys are going to work their butts off to get to get open. Mar Chase, Azuma, all those guys. And then I think it changes the dynamic of a franchise over yeah. time. If he continues to be consistent, and consistency is the key word, you know, he could continue to be consistent over time. I think anything is possible. I think the Bengals can definitely come out of the slump, come out of that non-winning tradition type mind frame and start becoming a dominant program. I love I love that analysis. I agree with that. You are saying the Bengals have their savior. They have the guy who's going to change the culture. They they have the guy. What are you saying? You know, pending his consistency. And I agree with it. I think that one man like a Joe Burrow can change the trajectory of a, of a franchise's history. Daniel, and I love that you bring up CJ Uzama because no one thought of him as a major contributor to the offense until he started playing with Joe Burrow. You know, right. I mean, he, that's exactly what you're saying. It's, he, he runs a little harder. He gets, he gets open a little. You know, he, he is achieving a lot more because he knows that Joe Burrow is so smart that if it's not, he's not going to just throw to Jamar Chase or you know one, one or two guys. He's going to find the open man. Really Absolutely. great analysis. Yeah. Absolutely. And it actually, it actually makes the defense play harder too. Like the defense want to get the ball in Joe Burrow's hand. Like they're going to do everything they can to get turnovers and create turnovers to get that man the ball as fast as they can. You know, and he's the kind of guy that's going to keep your defense fresh because he's not going to have him on the field all day. He's going to extend drives and make drives longer so your defense won't be as wore out and as tired as they've been in the, in the past years. And then it, it kind of slowly, gradually ch starts to change, you know, yeah, but everybody I, leave. I have a theory that, you know, a lot of times you see bad quarterbacks. They, it also, there's a correlation with they have the most dropped passes. And a lot of people are like, oh, this guy's bad, but his teammates are dropping the ball. I think that a bad quarterback causes the dropped passes to a certain degree because he gets those guys out of rhythm. He gets the receivers, you know, overthinking or underthinking or whatever it is. And you tend to see with inaccurate, bad quarterback plays, see a lot of drop passes. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to corroborate that or not. 
But well, I think what you get with bad quarterbacks, I think everything you said makes sense. But I think what you get with bad quarterbacks is over time, there's a periodic, there's a periodic that a period that happens where guys just stop believing, right? And this right. game is all about hundred percent confidence. You gotta have confidence. If the quarterback is a bad quarterback, the coaches don't believe in them. So they don't want to run the playbook that they would normally run if the quarterback was an excellent quarterback. So they'll hold back on play calls. Then receivers won't run their routes as hard. The defense feel like they don't have a chance. It, you know, it's, it started to feel like a war is me type thing. Like, why are we playing our butts off every single down? And we know we're going to be on the field the entire game because the quarterback is going to have a ton of three and outs. You know, and, and guys, guys will drop balls because they're not expecting him to get the ball to him because he's Absolutely. that bad. Yeah, you come out of a break and the ball is there on time and you're not prepared for it because he never does that. It's, it's too erratic. It's not consistent. I think we convinced uh, Daniel to pick the Bengals here. I think he actually Yeah, that's what I want to get. Is your, yeah, what is your pick, Mr. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going with the Ravens. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens. Ravens. What, what is I'm, a Raven for life. I'm a Raven for life, man. I bleed purple. So I don't, I, care how, I don't care how good the Cincinnati Bengals are. I don't care who they have on the other side of the ball, whether it's Joe Burrow, Mixon. I don't care who it is. Jamar Chase. I don't care if Jamar Chase breaks for three touchdowns for 99 yards apiece and he has 300 yards receiving, I'm still picking the Ravens. You know, so sorry. No, what? The, okay, so what's your final score? Um, I think the Ravens defense is going to show up and come, come to play, and I think they're going to show up. I think we're going to put together an excellent scheme to stop Joe Burrow and company. You got to eliminate his main targets. You know, you got to get rid of a Jamar Chase. He can't, he can't be the guy that beats you. You know, then you got to take out Mixon. If you can eliminate those two guys and let the rest of the Bengals try to beat you on offense, I think the Ravens will keep them underneath 21 points. And as long as we score 21, we win. I think the Ravens win 21-17. And you think the player of the game will be who? The player of the game will be Lamar Jackson. Okay, he's back. Okay, good. Yeah, he'll, be back. he'll be back this yeah. week just yeah. for this game, just to let you guys know that he's the real deal. Okay? I, I mean, I believe he's the real deal. If he wants, he can sit out. I don't want to see. I'm, I, I always said, hey, I said the Bengals should get Lamar Jackson. Can you tell him that if he wants to rest the ankle? John, you think please. the Bengals should get Lamar Jackson? Well, well he was coming out of college. Oh, you thought he should have? Okay, you thought he should have drafted yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, we could have easily drafted him. Yeah, the Bengals have yeah. done a lot of dumb things over the years. One, Lynn Lamar Jackson goal was definitely one of those. Well, I mean, I think every team did that. Yeah, thank but, you, Sensei. Yeah, John, please. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to disagree with Daniel on the sense that I don't think Lamar's playing in this game. I think because, for one, I don't know if his ankle's going to be fine, but I think the Bengals found a way, at least twice in the past two years, to limit Lamar's all-around ability, not to make him a bad quarterback, but they found ways to keep him in the pocket and to minimize the damage that he can do with his legs. And that was on display earlier in the season. I think Tyler Hundley, while he's similar in some ways, I think that provides a different type of scheme and, and overall defensive plan. And I think that would require the Bengals to implement something new. And I think the the Ravens can use that to a competitive advantage. I think there's going to be both teams really fighting for this one. There's a lot of implications on the line here. And I think Tyler Huntley's capable of winning this game. I think he's been playing really well. And I don't really foresee that stopping because I don't think he's necessarily a fluke. So the Bengals are not playing particularly well right now. The Ravens have their backs up against the wall because they're not in first right now. So I'm going to say the Ravens kind of win this close. Maybe like yeah, like, like 20 to 16. John, you don't think Lamar's coming back? You think Lamar's going to sit out this game, John? I don't think I don't think they're I don't think he's going to want to sit out. I'm, I'm not sure what his ankle is at this point. I think there's yeah. there's multiple factors with that. Yeah, I don't think I, I think it'd be smart. I think it'd be smart to sit out. 
Well, Daniel has convinced me, I would say. I've, I've given a lot of persuasive arguments, you know, and I'm not a raven for life, but the rest of it made sense. And uh, I do think the Ravens are going to level the Cincinnati Bengals. They're just go they're absolutely going to level them. Uh, that's just what they do. And uh, But the final score will be Cincinnati 38, Baltimore 17. That is my final prediction. What does level mean in that context? Because you they are going to help them get to the, the next level. Really they're, okay. they're going to be a stepping stone for the Bengals to take that jump to the next level. That's what you, when you say when you say someone levels you. They level Isn't up. That what not it means? Level up. Like level. They're going up. to level them up. Okay. Yes. Just level, okay. Which is not at all what I where I thought you were going with oh, that. Okay. It's one step at a time here, fellas. Yeah, I don't like yeah. I don't like your mustache either. Oh, you, you don't man. like oh, the mustache. God. You don't. No, I don't. I don't like your mustache. It's weird. Okay. Well, Oof. okay. I, 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 I'm going to. Never heard that up. before. It's usually yeah, just me. That's the only <laughs> thing people like about me. But, Mr. Daniel, uh, yes, Cox, I, I want to ask you about something. You obviously are very active in your community, giving back. You've made millions and millions of dollars, millions. and as we say, you know, all the time on the show, there's so many people who come on the show and they don't know what to do with their money. And that is, that is what we are here to do. We are here to, to help introduce you to causes that mean something. Thank you, Courtney. And, okay, I think uh, Bo has to leave. So, Bo, we will uh, see you next time. You're leaving at the best part, but that's okay. I'm sorry, I do. I have another thing I have to do, but I appreciate talking football with you guys. And I, I, uh, I won't be there in Cincinnati on Sunday, but I will... Um, I'm looking forward. To, I think it's going to be a great game. And, and I like I too. said, uh, a, a Ravens team that is, uh, I heard two or three players this week talk about urgency. They know there's a sense of urgency here, and John Harbaugh will have his team ready. You can be sure of that. So good talking to you guys. I will catch you again another time. Thank you, right, Bo. Thank you, Bo. Take care. So, yeah, Mr. Wilcox, basically yes. what I want to say is you love the Ravens. You probably don't like the Bengals very much. But I don't know if you know, a lot of states, a lot of powerful nations, they fund political factions in their enemy states, in, in the nations that they, that they are at war with, Cold War or, or, or Hot War, and they do that to disrupt. And so what I'm saying is if you give back to our show, that could be by, by choosing which side you want to affiliate your, yourself with, okay. you could help manipulate the, the Cincinnati Bengals and their and their direction. And the reason is because we are sponsored by the same app as the Cincinnati Bengals themselves. I'm talking about Bengals picks. You go, you play, you can win Bengals tickets, you can win autographed merch, I think, John. Merch. You can merch. 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 Yeah. yeah, thank yes. you, Courtney. And you just go to uh, the link, which, uh, Courtney, um, can you put the link up on the graphic at the bottom? With Oh, we can't do both at the same time. So there, bengalspicks.app.link slash e slash dhas only do that link if you do any other link i think uh, courtney told me you will get a virus or your computer will be hacked you have to go you can only get bengal's picks through that link there's something okay. something very special you go there and we get uh well we get money is what happens but you can also support us on patreon.com slash dh sports and you can join our 
our show. You can join to become a paid member. These are all the things you can do, Daniel, to prove your love for the Ravens by destroying the Cincinnati Bengals, by promoting the worst Bengals podcast out there. That is my pitch to you. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll definitely look that up. I'll find the app and I'll download it. And I'll, I'll do everything I can not to support the Cincinnati Bengals while I'm on Thank there. You. How about that? I appreciate it. Yeah, that, that link only. Only that link. Because I only don't want link. to get hacked. Yeah, yeah but, I don't want so, to. No, you don't want to get hacked. And uh, really, but no, everybody, look. I mean, how incredible is it, the Believe Podcast Network, where we have, I mean, you have all these podcasts with former players, these brilliant, charismatic, smart players, all these football podcasts, and then you have us. And, and it is, it is the, the fact that they, they, they do it, you know, I don't know what happened. I think it, that just shows you that there's not that many Bengals podcast options out there. But well, at there, any there's rate, us, and then there's the, the, you know, the normal former players and stuff. John, did you, you see Deshaun Jackson has a new podcast? Did you see that, Daniel? He has a podcast on Believe. He's I, I still playing I, in I love, John, I would love to come on. I would love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have to take a look to Deshaun, but... Bill Polian has a podcast. I mean, there's so many big names. And Daniel has the Ravens, Believe in the Ravens podcast. Definitely go subscribe, leave a five-star review. Daniel is such a charmer, such a great guy. I think, Daniel, I saw that your, your, your wedding was like wedding of the year or something. It was saying how you were covered by someone, right? That's incredible. Yeah, Thank Look you at this so guy. much. Man. Look at this guy. He's beautiful. And so definitely go to the show, leave a five-star review. My wife was beautiful. I was the guy that was standing next to the beautiful one. I'm sure she says the same thing about you, Daniel. Stop being humble. We are the number one Bengals podcast. We don't understand humility. But definitely go to his show. Subscribe. Five-star review. Leave comments. Subscribe to our show. And for Daniel Wilcox and Bo Esmoka and John Mariah Carey Sheeran and Daddy McDook. Make sure that you turn on notifications and follow us everywhere and read John's articles on cityjungle.com. We will see you next time. So long. Sweetie. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.